Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Dear friends, and we have another episode of Question and Answer with Bishop, Bishop Julian, Julian Porteous. Porteous. Well, thank you, Jovina, for coming in there and spoiling my intro. But as you have heard, we have Jovina <laughs> Graham with us. Hello. And myself, Jeremy Ambrose. Now, folks, hang on to your hats. We have a very interesting question for you today, Bishop. Yes. Now, Hollywood has seen a recent influx of, of exorcism films, and it begs the question... Because I think when we go to these films, we you know we see these these scary images, these scary things happening, and and we ask ourselves, well, is the devil real? You know, does this sort of thing really happen? And it's interesting to see, Bishop, that you have recently been asked to speak on this very topic in Sydney's Festival of Dangerous Ideas. So, why do you think you've been asked to speak on this, on on the devil? Yes, it's it's uh, very interesting because the <coughs> festival. Festival of Dangerous Ideas, which is held in the Opera House now each year, um, has become quite a feature of uh, Sydney Sydney life. And um, the dangerous ideas tend to be often um, ideas that are um, uh, challenge a lot of the stereotypes and a lot of the ways of, that people normally think. Um, I was approached by the uh, organisers of this festival if I would speak on this on the subject, is that uh, the devil is real? That was the question I was uh, asked to, to speak about, um, and uh, I I decided to do it partly because I, I thought it was an opportunity, firstly, to speak about the, the Catholic Church's um, belief and understanding on this matter of the devil, but I think more importantly, it was a, it was an opportunity because I think most of the audience will be fairly secular. You know, there won't there won't be a so much of a, a faith-filled people coming, but I think a lot of people curious about this whole question. So I really want to speak um, a lot about the question also just of evil, and I want to use that as a, a way in to talk about uh, the existence of the devil because, you know, a couple of things. Firstly, human beings, all human beings, have a, a, a basic orientation towards the good. You, know, you don't meet people who say, I'm going to see how much misery I can cause people around me today. I mean, people can do that, but that's that's not the basic orientation of people's lives. They don't live to perpetuate evil. We, we all, you know, a parent, for instance, would, would just naturally want the good and the best for their child. So so human beings are oriented towards the good. And I think as, as Christians, we will say that is because God has created us and as we heard in the book of Genesis, God said, we are good. What is great is good. So the question of evil is always a, an intriguing question. Now, modern psychology and the social sciences and so forth have given us understandings that certain behaviours can be explained psychologically. Even you can have the, the, the psychopath or the sociopath who has no sense, no no moral sense, no ability to see the moral uh, damage, uh, the, the, the things that they're doing are wrong. Um, however, even if we 
allow for the fact that people may, from their background, their upbringing or traumas they've been through or, uh, or, or because they have some psychological uh, issue in their life. Uh, while we can say, yes, some behaviours can be explained that way, but I don't think explain, it doesn't explain everything. And, and we have to recognise that there, there are other elements at work in human beings that lead to the manifestation of, of evil. Uh, and this can be not only uh, in individuals, but also can be in, in large scales, like, like when we have these, these terrible mass murders of, say, of Rwanda or Pol Pot or uh, the Holocaust and the Second World War. How we explain that human beings, if they have this basic orientation toward the good, how can we do such terrible, wicked things? Uh, we can't, and I don't think we can just explain it in terms of psychology. Uh, that's, you know, I would posit, that's why I'm going to posit in my talk, to say that that there is another dimension at work here, that, that there is a demonic activity also in the world and which can affect people's lives and, and even be something which finds a, a, a corporate manifestation as well. So that's basically... My argument, which I'm hoping will will get people thinking, I think it's a very dangerous idea mm. to the modern secularist to say that uh, who would say, look, I can explain everything from psychology or whatever, and I want to say, well, I don't think you can, and and so I want to posit this idea that there is uh, what Christian, what the Judeo-Christian tradition has always taught that there is the devil, there are demons. Wow. Okay, but Bishop, I think I think your average person in this country in this day and age would actually think that the devil is just a literary device or kind of a mythological figure with little horns and carrying a pitchfork designed to make us behave or, or whatever, to give some sort of a lesson. It almost, to some people, I think seems childish or, or juvenile to for Catholics to still believe in the devil. Should we be more sophisticated? And I think that's often the argument of, of, of somebody who would say that they are uh, a mature and, and capable uh, person now, that, that I, I have an understanding of life um, now, that I don't need these medieval ideas, I don't need these kind of um, devices or or, um, or beliefs that somehow belong to more primitive cultures or gave explanations of things in their worldview that, that we can now explain through science or through uh, through psychology, through social sciences and, and so on. But I, I still believe, though, that when a person looks deeply into their own life and, and examines their own uh, experience, they can see that there, there is this spiritual uh, dimension to their life in this case, that, that can be malevolent, can be can be something which is uh, a threat to them in, in various ways, can be a, a power that can can be destructive of their life. If I take an example, um, when, for instance, it, all of us find ourselves tempted in various ways. Yeah, you know, we, we're tempted to eat too much chocolate. We're tempted to sleep in in the morning. Certain things like this. Now, that's not the devil. That's just simply our own human nature wanting to. Um, to, to, to be satisfied in some way. So I'm not saying that everything is the devil, everything is demonic. Um, 
But there are times too when we can find ourselves going through patterns of thought. You know, uh, maybe it's engendering anger or bitterness or hatred. You know, that we just seem to get somehow or other there are these thoughts coming to us and, and uh, we struggle with them and we try to, to say get rid of them but they, they seem to be persistent and and, uh, and these and, you know I would say I'm a, a, a rational sensible human being it's, it's not it's not a pathology I'm talking about here but uh, people can struggle with this now when a person has a particular vulnerability perhaps they've had some trauma in their life perhaps they've had a very difficult upbringing perhaps they've lacked a love in their life and so forth I think they are more vulnerable to these sorts of things and so this uh, voice this this um, kind of manipulation of their thoughts towards uh, attitudes or approaches to things can actually become a very strong thing and they can be not as strongly able to resist them and so you do get people that can be quite consumed by hatred you know and it's quite irrational um, so this is where I mean it's, it's a it's a difficult area in one sense to talk about, but I think when we explore it, we have to say there's something here that this is that the there is a spiritual dimension that can be destructive of human beings, and that's where I would sort of say demons can be at work. Well might sound ironical, but to play the devil's advocate, <laughs> how would you answer this, Bishop, if someone asked you, um, I mean, aren't we just blaming a, a third party to make ourselves feel feel a bit better? Or, or where's the proof for this? How can we, you know, how can we see in a real way the work of the devil? How does the devil affect our lives? Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think we have to say a few things up front. The first thing we have to say is that as human beings... We, we have free will. So it's not as though, uh, firstly, I'm just going to, I'm going to walk down the street and suddenly the devil's going to come in and take control of my life. It doesn't happen like that at all. Um, and nor can we take the attitude of saying, the devil made me do it, you know, blame the devil for everything. Because we are human beings. We have a, a, a dignity associated with our capacity to make moral decisions, to be able to uh, assume, and as we should, assume responsibility for our lives. So uh, the first thing is we have to say is, is that, that we, we are um, responsible for our own lives. What can happen, though, is that in various ways we can allow the devil to influence us. And in some way we've allowed it. We, we've, um, we've let him in. Now, maybe uh, we can be uh, fooled by, by something that he... Something can be put very attractively to us, and we're we're drawn to it. Um, maybe it's um, it's the fact that we do have some particular vulnerability that that if you like the devil is able to to work on in some way. Um, but the, the the point is that that we ourselves are responsible for our lives, and and that we can do things about evil in our life. Um, and, and so, the the basic things that um, that we should we should look at is is firstly living a strong life of faith. And if 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 our if our life is strongly oriented towards God, we have a we're going to have naturally the protection of God's presence, 
in us, the grace of God present in us. I often like to use the image of um, having a house and uh, if the house is secure, if the, the door, the front door is closed, if the, if the windows are all secured in various ways, well, we're pretty safe. But if I leave doors open and windows open, and so, anybody could walk in to the house and I just don't know who this person is. This person could be a great danger to me. So if we, if we, if we don't guard our lives with, with a strong faith and with, with a, a strong orientation towards God, and if we don't really seek to lead a, a, a life, a good life, pursuing the virtues, because often when people get involved in, in, um, in bad things, that, that also becomes, it's like opening a back door. You know, it becomes ways in which the devil can get more influence in our lives. So normally a person leading a good life of faith, being responsible about the living of their life, they're pretty sad. Well, we'll get tempted. We all get tempted, but we'll be able to deal with it. But it can be that if people have weaknesses or vulnerabilities or get involved in sin in various ways, then the demonic can have more and have more influence and more uh, effect on their lives. Thank you, Bishop Julian. From now on, I'll be keeping my windows locked and my doors closed. Thank you. Thank you. Javina, there's another um, image that that we we sort of see in relation to Christianity that I'd like just to mention to you. Maybe if you've been to a baptism where the priest has used a scallop shell to pour the water over the child. I can't say I've ever seen that. Sorry, Bishop. Yeah, no, that's all right because it's, it's, I mean, it's not used a great deal, but sometimes you, you see the, uh, the scallop shell and, and, uh, and sometimes you see the image of a scallop shell, sometimes associated with baptism, even baptismal font may sometimes even have scallop shells around the outside of it it's really as simple as saying that um, that uh, it was it was sometimes used as a um, to dip the water yeah, to dip into the water baptismal water to pour on the head of the uh, of the person being baptized so the scallop shell just became a so I think it was because it was just a, a useful way of um, if people weren't immersed in the water it was a useful instrument in olden times to use what do you use to pour the water mm. over the head of the child. I've seen on a number of occasions, I've seen sometimes parishes having a scallop shell there as, as something that can be used for, for baptisms. Um, it, it's also, um, it also has a, a particular significance, which, which appeals to me a bit because it's become the, the symbol of... Um, of the pilgrims on the road to Santiago de Compostela. I'm sure, Jovina, you've you've done the the pilgrimage, so yes. you might you may have noticed that pilgrims wore the uh, on every uh, backpack. On yeah. every backpack, they yeah. wore the, the skull shell. Now, I'm not sure how the, the what the link is, but um, but certainly the skull shell had an, an earlier association with Christianity in virtue of baptism, and somehow or other, it's become associated with the the uh, pilgrimage uh, to um, to Compostela. So uh, it's the, the great symbol of of the uh, of, of St James and the, the Camino. 
You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit radio.org.